0: How's everybody doing? Are you warm? Now, I, I've, I have a question to start the message, really, and that's this. How many of you, when you heard the forecast that it was going to be really, really cold, said, eh, not so much? I, I don't really believe that. Anybody? I, I say it all the time. My wife is a weather channel junkie. Um, she, she watches the weather channel all the time. She can tell me what's going on. And, and so she'll say, Rick, 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 it's going to be like really, really cold in five days. And I, I'll say, five days. You know, it could change tremendously. Um, it's all about, you know, w- when we hear something, whether we trust what the person says is true before it produces action in us. Like, I'm not ready to get out my, my uh, long johns when Deb says it's going to be really cold in five days, right? Cause it, b- because it changes so often. And anybody ever go through that cycle before where you hear something and, you, and it doesn't really create any kind of reaction because you're not sure that they, what they're saying is really true? Any anybody there? Yeah, uh, the, uh, th- that's the challenge for us. Um, I want to share just kind of a concept to start this message. That it's critical to today's message that finishes this series that we've called the struggle. That's about uh, our our own finances. But it's it's also critical for the series that we start next week called Taste It, where we're we're going to dive into Scripture and um, and over the next thirteen weeks we're going to kind of uh, work all the way through the Bible and challenges uh, encourage as many people as possible to dive in and begin to read the Bible maybe, maybe for the first time in in those ninety days. Here's the here's the concept that's critical to understand. Um, in any in any Process, and particularly for us as we look at following Jesus, there's a process that starts when we hear. Uh, I'm not writing any better second service than I did first. Uh, when we hear some information, the question is, what do we do with that? We can hear all kinds of stuff, and it doesn't necessarily impact us. But at some point, Maybe we begin to trust what, what is told to us. And that makes a difference. But it doesn't really change anything and, until we start to obey. This is so much fun to write on a whiteboard. You guys are, are so great. Uh, thank you, Jason. How's that? Can you see it now? Here's, a, here's, the, here's the cycle that happens. When we hear Scripture, we ultimately get to a place that we say, do I trust what God said is true? Right? We listen and we say, okay, that, that's great. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Do I really trust that? And once we, once we answer that question, the trust question, then that really gets lived out, When we start to obey it and live it out in our life, it's possible for us to say, yeah, God's word says that. I believe it. I trust that what God says is true, but it doesn't impact our lives at all. It's just knowledge that's there that we acknowledge that is from God. But when we begin to obey, something incredible happens. When we start to obey what God tells us, when we start to obey what we hear, all of a sudden we begin to recognize that voice more clearly. And we begin to hear new things that cause us to trust more, to trust what what God says is true and causes us to obey more. It becomes this cycle that just begins to spin faster and faster and faster. Um, And if we go back to the weather channel analogy, what's that start to look like? Somebody said it? A hurricane, thank you. Was that Jason? Yeah, way to go, man. It's, it's, it's kind of that image of a hurricane. Here's, here's, what I wanna, here's the comment that I want to make about this process. And again, you'll see this kind of lived out in the message today. We can hear in a hurricane. You know, here's, here I think is, is sort of what the symbol is really like uh, on, the, on the Weather Channel. Um, we can hear, and if we don't act on it, in a hurricane, where is the carnage? It's all out here, right? It's, it's in the spin cycles that happen. So if we only hear Scripture and never do anything with it, um, that's going to create tension and a mess in our lives. If we only trust God and we do that, we say, oh God, I'm going to trust you for anything, and that's not based in Scripture And that doesn't get fleshed out in our life. It's going to cause this wake of mess that happens where we're trusting God in it and it doesn't make any sense for us because that trust is not founded in what he says. And it's not being lived out in our lives. If we only obey and we don't really pay much attention to scripture and we don't trust that what God said is true, we live in a life of legalism, right? Where there's this list that, oh oh, oh, yeah, I got to do that, got to do that, got to do it. It works kind of a deal. And it creates this... The center of the, what happens in the center of the hurricane? It's calm. It's it's peace. There is for us this thing that when we're in this cycle that begins to spin faster and faster, that we have a sense of, oh, man, even in the midst of all kinds of stuff going on in our life, we can trust that what God says is true and that it's going to produce fruit in our life and that we're going to take action on that. Follow that? That makes sense. Hello. Okay, good. It's there. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and take them out, open the app. I, I, what I want to do this morning as we finish this series called The Struggle, that's about the struggle, the, the financial tension that exists in our life. Again, let me just say, if you, if, you haven't, if you weren't here or you didn't listen, Go back two weeks ago. The, the key to the series is the first message that says God's got to be first of everything. That God can only be first in our lives, in our finances, that kind of stuff. Last week we talked about having a plan. That there's a, there's, um, biblical teaching that says you got to have a plan to get out of debt. You gotta have, have to have a plan to, in terms of what to do with your finances. Um, wh- what I want to talk about today is to just do kind of a short thing that, that, that um, takes this concept and says, "Okay, what scripture say? Do I really believe it? And how's it gonna? How's it gonna um, live itself out in our life? Because we will live in this tension. The picture that's on screen, the the the, the pulling of the rope. We will live in this tension unless we're hearing and trusting and obeying." Uh, um, let me, let me share four concepts that Scripture teaches that, 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 that flesh out that tension. The first struggle is this. Um, we live in a culture that says the good life comes from having money and stuff, right? That, that, that the good life exists because you've got the house, you've got the car, you've got the vacations, you've got all that stuff. When you have all that, that's really what life is all about. And yet God's Word says good life, the good life comes from goodness, generosity, and sharing. Really flips it upside down. So when we hear God's word, the question is, do we trust that what God says is true, and are we going to obey it? Let's, let's look. 1 First, uh, First Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. And just so we're clear, that's all of us. When you look at the rest of the world, and, and, and the, the, you know two-thirds of the world lives on well, what, less than $2 a day, Command those who are rich, that's us, in this present world, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. God's word says, what's what's the true life about? What's the good life really about? It's about goodness and generosity and sharing. Do we trust that what God says is true? That sharing and generosity is better than having? That's that tension that exists for us. Second struggle that I think that we all wrestle with as we look at our finances is this. We, we believe, you know what, the more I give away, the less I'll have. Because we believe that, that we live in a zero-sum kind of a world. You know what, that if I have X amount of money and I give some away, that means that I've got to live on less than that. And God's perspective is, he says, you know what, the more you give away, the more I'll supply He doesn't necessarily say, oh, the more you give away, the more I'll give to you in in material wealth, but he does say, the more more you give away, the more I will supply for you. Um, Recognize that God's resources are infinite. They are not a zero-sum game. God is the one who made everything, who continues uh, potentially even to create even now. God's the one who has it all. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you put seed in the ground and you only put a little bit of seed in the ground, you're only going to have a few plants. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You sow lots of seeds, you're going to have a a big crop. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God's able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We think if we give away a lot that we'll have less for us. God says, you know what, when you're generous, I will be generous with you and give you even more to give away. That's what the word says. Do we trust that that's true? And are we willing to obey that and to take steps in being generous in ways that we never have before? One of the struggles that we live with is that we believe that when we prosper, we'll be generous. That if God just gives us enough, that then we can be generous. We'll do that at some point in time in the future. I I told a story uh, probably a couple of years ago about a good friend that we had in Virginia that they were struggling financially. They were in a mess, and and another friend gave them a significant amount of money to kind of tide them through. And this friend who was in need said over and over again, "Man, I wish I had what he had so I could be generous." And the friend who had given him the money said to him, uh, he said essentially, "Sit down and shut up. You know what?" You need to be generous with what you have right now and trust that God will take care of you. We think that we will be generous when we have more. And God says, instead, when we're generous, we'll prosper, that God will take care of us. Proverbs 11 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we hoard, we lose. We lose personally. We lose individually. The kingdom loses when we're generous. God allows us to be even more generous. We hear that. Do we trust that that's true? And are we willing to obey and be generous? The last struggle that I just want to share this morning is this: We believe that when we're generous, that others are going to be the people who are blessed. So, so if we know somebody that's in need and we think, oh, you know what, I can give them 20 or 50 or 100 or 1,000, whatever it is, we think, you know what, they will be so blessed if I give out of my goodness to them and God uses me to do that. And God's word says actually the opposite. He says that when we're generous, we're the ones who will be blessed. Proverbs 22 says, the generous, the generous themselves will be blessed. They share their food with the poor. We hear that. Do we trust that that's true? And are we willing to obey that and willing to be generous? Um, yesterday, we, uh, well, Friday and Saturday, we had retreat for the elders and for the staff uh, yesterday. Had everybody together. And, and part of what we spent the day doing was looking at a study that was done um, of 250,000 people who are followers of Jesus that, that talked about what helped them grow, what, um, how they got stalled spiritually, uh, all kinds of stuff. And um, uh, one of the things that was interesting in that study was... Uh, that people self-identifying talked about what helped them grow. The, the high percentage of people at different stages in their spiritual life that said, you know, when I began to give, I began to grow. That, that it was tied to placing their possessions in God's hand and allowing Him to do that. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because when we do that, when we put our financial resources back in God's hands, We are trusting him to provide for us. We're trusting that he's going to be in the middle of that, that he'll direct everything that we do. The question for us, as we bring this series kind of to a close, is who do you trust? Or what do you trust? Do you trust your stuff, your financial management skills for your security? Do you trust your well-being to, to your bank account, to what you have available? Do you trust your ability to be generous with what God's given you? To your surplus. Who do you trust? Do you trust that God is, um, is, is faithful and that he will provide for us at every turn? If you're stuck spiritually, let me just encourage you to start to give at a new level and see if God doesn't jump into the middle of your life in a way that you never expected. Um, uh, About a year ago, uh, maybe not quite a year ago, there was a a gal here at North Point, I'm I'm not going to say her name, but um, lots of you will know her, uh, who just grown spiritually, took step and and was baptized. Incredible thing. She's she's just so excited about what God's doing in her life. And... um, Last summer, if you were around, I, we preached a series, we did a series called Ask Alexa, where we asked what the Bible said about all kinds of stuff. We asked Alexa what she said. She didn't have anything worth saying, but the Bible did. Um, so uh, w- one of the messages, on April 19th, I, I preached, what's the Bible say about tithing? It's the first time I'd, I'd ever really preached a message about tithing. And, um, and to be real honest and frank, um, there was I, I got some negative feedback about that, um, uh, and a lot of people who wouldn't look me in the eye when I, when I walked through the church, it, it, just kind of there. And I, I was kind of discouraged about that because I, I felt like, you know, I'm just I'm teaching what God's word says for us. And um, about two weeks later, this, this gal, I'm, I'm going in my office on Sunday morning, just kind of, uh, you know, not a great Sunday morning kind of thing. And, and, and she said, she said, Rick, I got to talk to you. I said, Okay, I, you know, I got to do my stuff. And, and she said, she said, you preached two weeks ago, uh, April 19th, you preached on tithing. And she said, I so desperately needed to hear that because that's not something that I've done. And I did it. The f- my first paycheck for the, for the month of September, I, I did it. And I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm so excited because I know that that's a step that I need to take. And um, it was re- it was just really fun. It was it like had me walking in here saying, "Oh, that's that's really cool." She's putting her faith to the test, seeing how God's going to provide. So that's been five months ago. So I talked to her and said, um, "Okay, I, I I need to know what's happened in the last five months." And, you know, I, I'm thinking worst case scenario. She said, "Oh, it didn't work at all," and I just chucked it. Um, uh, Either that or that she said, oh, yeah, I'm still tithing and I'm eating ramen noodles, um, you know, four nights a week, something like that. Or maybe, maybe even a worst-case scenario, yeah, I started to tithe and I went to the casino and I won, you know, I, I won all this money. Um, I, I just wondered what her story was. And, and so she told me about her journey. Um, up to the 1st of September, she was given $30 a week. Um, to the kingdom through North, North Point. That, so $120 a month. For some of you, I know you're saying, daggone, that's a lot of money, because that's not where you are. For her, that's where, that's where she was. And she said, my, uh, for me to write that tithe check, it was $360. Uh, interestingly, she said, I know I can do it electronically, but it's actually better for me personally. I want to write that check and have it up on my counter and be able to bring it in and give it on Sunday morning. So she said, 1st of September, I did it, and here's what's happened over the last five months. My expenses, my expenses have actually increased. My, my medical insurance went up $260 a month over the last five months. But here's the thing. Everything is working, and I'm not going in debt, and God's providing in a way that doesn't make sense to me. She said, all I I can tell you is I'm not missing anything. All my bills are being paid, and and I'm placing God first in a way that, for me, was critical because I said, you know what? I'm a child of God. I need to trust him in this. Um, Just so interesting to me that even in the midst of of stuff that we say, "How, how can that work? She would say, all I know is I'm trusting God, and he's providing for me. In a, way, in a way that makes sense. Don't miss me if you're here today and you haven't heard the last two weeks' messages. Um, tithing is not a requirement of somebody who's a follower of Jesus. But tithing is a model, and it's a pattern that's there in the Old Testament. It existed before the Mosaic Law. And I, I think it's a great thing for us to shoot for. I think it's a very measurable thing that's easy for us to say, God, I trust you with everything I have, and, and I want to give, give back um, you know, t- 10% of what I have to you. Um, the, uh, she said, my, my life really has changed some, I guess. She said, when I go shopping now, I look at something that I would have probably just bought before, and I say, is that something I need or something I want? And she said, and I have a conversation with myself in the store. Is that something I need or is it something I want? And she said, more times than not, I realize, you know what? That's something I want, but not something I need. I put it back and I don't buy it. And I get home and I realize that I never missed that thing at all. It wasn't something that was critical to my life. She said, God has helped me put things in priority in in terms of of what's going on in my life. Um, Here's where I'd like for us to finish this morning. I want us to take about the next 15 minutes. Um, oh. Before I get get there, let me me say this. One one other thing that came out of the retreat yesterday was this. Um, As we talked through this study, one of the things that came out of this study, the scientific study that was done with 250,000 people, was that the study showed that the more people, the longer people came to church and never made a decision about Jesus, the more likely it was that they never did that in their life. So they came and said, "You know what? Yeah, some, someday I'm going to I'm going to rel- relinquish control to God. The longer you live in that world, the more likely it is that that issue will never be resolved in your life." I say that right now to say to you, if 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 you're somebody who's been coming to church for a long time, if if you've been sorting through and saying, "Oh, yeah, I know God's there. I know He's real. I know I need to." allow him to have complete control of my life. Mm, Not yet. The longer you live there, the less likely it is that you'll ever take that step. And let me just say, scripture's clear, now's the day of salvation. That's a step that you can take today that I would encourage you, man, don't wait any longer because you don't know how much time you have. And, and, And the longer you wait, the less likely it is. Let me apply that to this whole thing in terms of the financial struggle that we have. Um, the longer you continue at the at the level of handling your finances that you're at right now, the less likely it is that that'll ever change. So if, if you're coming to church all the time right now and you're not given anything, the likelihood that you're going to start to give at any point in time in the future is pretty small. If you're given out of your surplus, you're given, you know, you got an extra 20 or extra 5 or whatever, and, you, and you're and that's what you do, and you've been doing that for a year or two years or five years, the less likely it is that that's ever going to change. If you're like most American Christians statistically that give regularly and give 2 to 3% of their income, the longer you've been doing that, the less likely it is that you'll ever take the step to begin to tithe, to begin to be generous with, with the finances that you have. I I say that to encourage you, not to guilt anybody at all. When we hear that our finances allow us to live out our discipleship, it allows us to put our trust in God. And we trust that what God's word says is true. The question is whether or not we're going to obey. And let me just say this with, with all of my heart. When we obey that, when we take that step, all of a sudden... We begin to hear God in a fresh way. All of a sudden, we begin to hear His direction in our life, His um, encouragement, His teaching, and it starts this moving in an incredible way. Here's what I want us to do: We're going to spend some time in prayer, and I'm, I'm just going to um, I'm going to give some some big picture subjects, and I want to encourage you to pray. If you want to pray out loud, I, for me, that's it's easier to move my lips because my brain gets distracted. I get thinking about other things. F- feel free to do that. Um, I'm telling you right now, that's not weird. If you want to pray with your eyes open, that's cool. If you want to pray with your eyes closed, that's cool. If you want to stand up, if you want to kneel, if you want to sit there, all of that's fine because all you're doing is talking to God. I know, it's a, I know it's a little bit weird for people, but it's so critical to communicate with God what's on our hearts. So um, I... I we're going to start praying right now. So if you want to shut your eyes, you can do that. Um, if you want to keep them open, that's cool. The, the the first thing that I want to encourage you to pray about is to just begin to pray about your the the finances in your life. Maybe maybe you're struggling with debt. Maybe you're struggling with taking a first step in your giving. Maybe you're you're wrestling with making a change. Just pray and ask God to help you at whatever level that's going on. First weekend in May, we're going to have a special offering, um, asking God to to eliminate the debt that we have as a church on our mortgage. Um, would Would you pray for that offering right now? As part of that prayer, would you that uh, As a part of that prayer, would you pray and ask God, maybe what part you should have in that? This week, for whatever reason, I've had a burden for families. Would Would you pray for your family? Pray for your kids, for your spouse, for your marriage. Pray for parents to have wisdom as they raise their kids. Pray that our families would look like what God designed and not what the rest of the world looks like. Would you ask, as we continue to pray, would you ask God just a real specific question and just ask him, God, who do you want me to impact with the grace of Jesus this week? Who is it that you have that I'm gonna interact with that you want me to impact with the grace of Jesus Would you ask God to give you an awareness of the reality of eternity that's fresh? That there is heaven, that there is hell, and that people's destinies that we know and love are at stake. Ask him to help you see that this life here is not what it's all about. Take a second and just pray for that new church in Fenton. First Scott Statson's the name of the pastor, pray that that um, that they might be a light in Fenton that shines bright and that uh, that God again uses the, the place where the church had died to out of those ashes that there would be just this presence of Jesus that transforms that community. Pray for our nation, for our elected officials, for the president, for the senators, the representatives, for our new governor, state officials, for the Supreme Court. Pray that those serving would seek God and his wisdom. pray for our, our uh, message series that starts next week that's all about diving into Scripture called Taste It. Pray that, pray that lots and lots of people would read Scripture, maybe even for the first time, and begin to hear directly from God so that they could trust Him, so that they could obey Him. Pray for our church, for North Point. Pray for our staff, for our elders, the spiritual leaders of the church. Um, Pray that we would have an impact in this community, in mid-Michigan. The kind of impact that God wants us to. last thing that I want us to, to pray about is um, the the note that I have for me is I want to encourage you to pray about the stuff that's keeping you up at night. It may be about one of your kids. It may be about your marriage. It may be about your debt. It may be about your health. It may be about uncertainty in your future. It may be somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe some issue that you're struggling with. Would Would you just talk to God about that real openly and plainly. And if you would like anyone to pray for you about that, would you just stand up right now? And if somebody stands up around you, with some folks who are there just kind to of place your hand on their shoulder and pray for them too. Somebody's standing up around you and you can't get to them, just recognize where they are. Open your eyes and see them. Pray for them. Right now. God, our, our struggle that we live with is that we try and do stuff on our own. We think we're pretty smart. We think that we can handle things. Until crisis comes in and we recognize that we can't we don't have a clue we're completely dependent on you god i thank you that you hear us when we pray that you know our hearts that we don't have to have special words we don't have to use special fancy language we can just talk to you and you hear us lord i pray right now for people who are struggling struggling financially, struggling to struggling to obey, to take a step and to be generous, taking a step to give consistently, taking a step maybe to tithe. God, I ask that you would, through your spirit, that you'd give them courage and boldness to do that. God, we recognize That the stuff that keeps us up at night, we can't do on our own. Lots of it we don't have any control over at all. Lord, you're the only one who can make a difference. God, because Jesus came, he died for us, he is the game changer. (laughs) Lord, we come to you and place it all in your hands.